Hey, what is up? Welcome back to the Social Skills for Dummies podcast. It's the host, Dallas. Man, y'all are showing respect, man. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your viewership. Continue to listen, man. Continue to give viewership. I'm going to continue to show love. Likewise, man, I love this relationship that we have. Thank y'all. Um, in this episode, I'm going to talk about how to get rid of anxiety. You know what I mean? Um, anxiety uh it can seriously completely vanish in the matter of a few days like anxiety if you maintain this no, i'm gonna teach you one tool there are many tools to get rid of anxiety but today i'm gonna teach you one tool and tomorrow i'm gonna teach you the next tool you know um y'all been showing love on the podcast y'all been listening to these episodes keep listening man i'm gonna keep putting these out um because it's all about you at the end of the day uh and so to teach you how to get rid of anxiety it really comes down to one tool and this is a tool that many people know, but very few people understood the real mechanics, understand the real mechanics and real function behind the tool. And so let me get into teaching you about that. So um, when I was younger, uh, I've always been a very, very super anxious person. You know, I always been shy. I always been timid. And I felt like to a degree, there was a mixture of things happening. I felt like, you know, I was shy and I was timid because I was unworthy. Um, of being loved, of being accepted, of being in social environments, um, and that made me, you know, prone to being bullied. That made me prone to people picking on me the most. And um, the other reason was genetics. I remember some of my earlier memories, and I, like I've cried in school more, like many times. You know, I remember when I first went to kindergarten, I bust out in tears. Like I was just, I remember for the first time feeling like, like my mother driving me to my elementary school, Govins Elementary in Baltimore and like I still remember the type of morning it was like it was like oh, it was a bright morning it was a sunny morning um I believe it was like warm outside um just like a slight tinge of warm on the skin even though it must have been September or August um and I remember my mother walking me into the classroom and like I, I had no idea what was going to happen I had no idea how this process went it was my first day and I remember just standing, like watching and looking at her, and she said, "All right, now I'm leaving. I'm, 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 I'm going." Um, which to me, to this day, is an emotional experience. No idea. Well, I know why, but you know, attachment issues. But um, it's a super emotional experience. And I remember just like, "No, no, don't leave me." And I just burst out in tears, and I cried like for a long time until like, like, like I remember like the flooding of sensations, like the stimulus in my brain just was overwhelmed. Like I remember, like all these having all these thoughts and, and, and doubts and concerns, and I just I just felt like I was just abandoned there. And I remember just crying for probably like an hour or two hours, until like a friend named Mark, you know, my first friend ever, his name was Mark, came over, and I just decided like, hey yo, like you want to play with these blocks? Like we just started playing with blocks and we started enjoying ourselves. It was Mark and Miss Mitchell who really got got it through me. But in kindergarten and throughout like a lot of grade school, like. I was just well elementary school i was just super quiet because like you know um the stimulus around me all the words all the names all the faces all the expressions all the people like it it just was it was just explosive it was just dynamic it was just so much of the so much of it and coming from a family where there was a lot of anger in my family a lot of arguing in my family um there's just always under the surface the uneasiness around conversation um and, and, and expressiveness um and you might even feel it in your adult life today like tell me if this is something that you feel like seriously think about this when people are arguing next to you or people are talking next to you in a slightly aggressive tone you feel the tightness in your stomach and the tightness in your throat and then your anxiety kick up like do you feel that 
like a lot of that is from you know your background you know normally you grew up in an environment where and this is an explanation i think i heard through ty lopez or something like that you're a kid and you're defensive um um and, and when your parents argue you you're defenseless you can't do anything and so your parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system and your nervous system kick up um you know your fight or flight kick up uh and because you're a kid you can't do anything about it like um you're, you're a creature that can't really move or have, you don't have no mobility to escape the situation um and so all these you know uh i don't really know how to explain it i don't really remember the explanation they gave but all these systems in your body kick up but you're unable to act on them and so it's like your foot's on the brake and on the gas at the same time it was, it was something like that anyhow um you're just a child and in these experiences they traumatize you they they they're ingrained in your memory because because they're they're trauma you don't know what's going to happen in a situation you don't feel safe in a situation as a kid um and so a lot of this define a lot of these core experiences are kind of the references we use um when we when we are in these situations like it's a template we use for this situation as it happens in public we don't use the data that most of the time nothing happens we use the data that most of the time things were scary things popped off and things related you know it was a consequence for you um whether the consequence was just discomfort when you're a child discomfort even the first pieces of discomfort you get that's all you know in the world of discomfort so that's the most drastic and vivid experience uh that you could possibly go through but anyhow not to be long-winded about it um yeah even after that i remember going to fourth grade and a bunch of kids like crowding around me like which is asking me like like are you scared like you look scared like are you okay like you good and like i just like 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 i just burst out crying like you know uh i had a lot of experiences like that through my life i spoke to as many people as i can count on my hand in middle school and a lot of the times i just thought man this is just this is great like i didn't really have a, the ability to comprehend who i was in the world around me and why this was happening and so I just, I've, I just assumed that this was the state of life. This is just who I was. I really didn't think much of it. It wasn't until I got a little older, until I got in high school, my theory on who I was became more of a hybrid. You know, I felt like, the heck is going on here? I felt like, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe if I was stronger, maybe I was tougher. You know, maybe if I could defend myself. Um, if I had, like, there had to be a logical reason for the fear. There had to be a logical reason for the anxiety. Um, it was my defenselessness. You know, as a kid, I was defenseless, and I'm defenseless now. If somebody bigger were to try to do something to me, then what would I be able to do? And people will always say, like, oh, combat sports, know how to fight, it increased confidence. And so, you know, that's the first place I went. I remember when I was a kid, I was just thinking, like, okay, if I joined a sport, if I had a click, you know, if I, if I, if I had strength, then, you know, I would, I would be more confident because I know for sure that I could defend myself. And so I picked up wrestling as a freshman. You know, and I joined wrestling, and um, at first I was getting beat on, I was getting yammed on. I was a little guy, I was a freshman on the team, but I had a family, I had a support group, I had people surrounding me that were like they were my guys. You know, I feel like if something popped off, they would be there for me. You know, um, but I was still the run of the group, and so I trained and trained and trained, and and I, you know, I started losing matches. My first year, I was nine and eleven, and I sucked as a wrestler. And every time I went on a wrestling mat, it was just like my rest of my life. It was just a panic. You know, I didn't know what to do. Um, and the next year. You know, I, I, I actually broke my thumb at the end of that season, but I won more matches. I think it was 11-9, and nine actually. I think I won more matches than I lost, and I was proud of myself. It showed me that I could do something in life. It showed me that I could learn a skill and apply it and, uh, and actually win. There was a part of my brain that clicked on. was like, okay, you can win. You are a winner. You're not just a complete loser. You're not pathetic. Um, the next year, I went into wrestling, and I think I was like 
like 23 and 3 or something like that. Because over the summer, I just started obsessing over this because I felt like it would give me strength. And so the next year, I won a, a county title. Um, it was the best day of my life. You know, maybe to this day, it was the best day of my life. One of the best experiences I ever felt. Like, I felt like just complete imperialation. I remember my team in the stands going crazy. You know, they lowered this light in the middle of the auditorium. And it's just you and one mat and one light. And the rest of the auditorium is dark. It's like a movie. And, like, I remember just wrestling. Just, I don't even know where I was half the time. It was, like, two t-shirts and a dryer, as they say. And, like, I came out on top. And just year after year, I remember wearing my gold medal to school the next day under my shirt because I was on, like, some low-key humble stuff. But they announced on the announcements, county champions, Dallas Prater. Like, and I just was, like, I was just glowed up in art class. Like, yeah, man, like, that's me. And my friend Dante was, like, yeah, you won that? Oh, man, let's go. Like, you know, it was one of the craziest experiences. I started to get a greater social standing in my environment just through the wrestling. People started to know me. People would, you know, at the end of my career, like, walk into me in public and be like, yo, like, you wrestled my brother. Like, you wrestled such and such one day. I remember you from wrestling. And I would have no idea who they were. Like, there was, like, a small, like, infamy from, or fame from, like, from the things that I did on the mat because I was great at it um, to some degree. I wasn't, like, a monster. I wasn't a state champion or a four-timer, which there were plenty of them around. But I was, like, in a tear where I was, I was good. You know, so the next year, obviously, um, if you heard anything about this podcast, I failed off the next year, but I was like 21 and one. I only lost the three, four time state champion, Austin Kreiser. Um, but the year after that, I went on a tear. I was back to it. And I ended up, I was second in the county. Uh, my friend Rob, who went on to win a state title the next year, uh, he beat me in the county finals. Uh, we were two and one, I think. He could escape better than I could. Um, he was a great takedown artist, too, but we wrestled all summer together, so. You know, it was hard for each other to take us down because we knew each other's greatest moves. Uh, but I went on to win, you know, uh, the region title right after that. And I didn't place at States. But it was nothing you could say to me after that. I, I was a champion. You know, in some ways, it did affect my confidence. It did affect my, my mentality. But it was a lot of conscious mentality. It was a lot of conscious toughness. Like, I really felt like I couldn't lose a fight to anybody. If you think about what a wrestler does, uh, they beat people up. And they beat people up who train not to be beaten up. And that's a different level. I could take down anybody that was in my wrestling room. Anybody. I remember we did the take. You know, we, we really didn't do takedown uh, tournaments like my senior year. Because my coach knew, like, I would win them. You know, um, regardless of weight. But we did uh, a competition where it was like, you got to hold down your opponent. And I went through the entire room. I held down every single last person. Um, all the way up into the 228 weight class. Two, 285 weight class. Um every single last person so you know i was i was a, i had a lot of strength in my and i had a lot of confidence because of that like that no matter what happened in life i would be able to defend myself if something popped up i would be able to defend myself but you know it's this kendrick lamar line that i love and he says i can feel it the scream that haunts our logic because i felt it like owen cook describes you know he says you you you, you turn off all the audio in your house or in a seminar room and you can hear it in the background you can hear the refrigerator you get electricity going through the house. It's this low, almost inaudible hum in the background of everything, in every environment, that you don't know it's there, but you kind of do. You can kind of feel it. You can kind of hear it when everything else goes off. While I had a lot of conscious confidence, um, I can still I could still feel under the surface I was more unconfident, more insecure than ever. Oh, but what if? What if you lose? What you, like I would not go to like clubs, I would not go to restaurants, I would not go to movie theaters because my mind was just running a hundred miles per hour. You know, even with you know, I, I got a girlfriend my senior year. 
And my, my, my mom would just run 100 miles per hour. Like, what if somebody says something to her? What if somebody tries to hit her on her? Then, then I have to fight. What if I go to jail? You know, what if I get beat up? You know, what if I go to the to the to the to the to the uh, to the club and someone someone does something irrational? You know, and then I gotta like it's gonna be a mess. Like I like my mind used to run. Like I would, she would be like, "Oh, let's go to the club, let's go to dinner, let's go here, let's go to here." I'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. These environments are dangerous." Like I would literally say, "Like people, I just don't trust people. People are unpredictable. Like people are dangerous. Like that. Like my mind would just run over a thousand different possibilities, uh, and I was just I was just still even still being." Probably the toughest person in a hundred square, in, on average, probably more tougher than 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 most people in like a hundred square miles. It was just, it would just tear my mind up, and I, I didn't know what to do, you know. And so I stepped into the next venue. I'm thinking, okay, I'm insecure because I just don't have any power, or real control in life. Yeah, you can fight, but that's not real power. And so I had to learn about business, and I started to go through this entire business development journey. And to cut that long story short, I never became a business success, but. You know, um, you know, I, you know, I found a way regardless, you know, what I learned through this journey is that, you know, um, I don't know. I went through this entire business journey and ended up at the end of it in 2022, kind of having an emotional breakdown. You know, I was kind of in this is recorded on the podcast. If you want to go back to the old episodes in 2022, um, they're not about social skills, but they're about the business journey. I just ended up having like a like a, like a breakdown you know my confidence like people will call me like cocky and narcissistic and you kind of could tell by the energy like i carried in the old episodes but a lot of that was just like hiding or disguising the fear that i really felt under the surface you know i remember like over everything in the world over rent over our relationship over over money over business over like over everything like i just felt anxiety like in last year it was almost at its worst like i felt anxiety over everything in the world and i had all this functional social advice functional pickup material like if i got in a venue and i really started like dancing and vibing like it could go away you can get in get in state and trick your mind to be social in a moment or you can drink alcohol which i'm not a alcohol drinker you know i'm not a smoker but you can do these things to have liquid courage and confidence in in split moments if you can get in the state if you can get in the zone when i was in a wrestling i felt confident but just in vacuums where no one know me when i didn't when i stepped out of wrestling that was the biggest vacuum in my entire life that I experienced. Like I remember like being somebody in wrestling and then wrestling season ended my senior year and eventually and immediately I was nobody. And immediately I felt insecure again. And when I wasn't around wrestlers or people who knew me, I felt insecure. I couldn't leverage something in order to make people to in order to get a result socially. I couldn't draw dopamine from the fact that I accomplished something in a sport. All I had to do was talk about it, bring up stories about it. And that's the way I satisfied that need. That's the way I got the leverage. But it was just insecurity that was making me do that in the first place. And so, um, eventually, through my business journey and through wrestling, and just the anxiety and the wear and tear, because I believe every experience that you feel, where there's a bad sensory experience, where there's bad sensory uh, details involved, like it's 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 progressing somewhere. It's like when you work out and you feel pain. And so I went down the trail of these anxieties. I let these anxieties drive me, and eventually, I hit a point where I hit rock bottom. And they say this is the labor pain for the birth of your visions, the birth of your true self. And at that rock bottom, I found my true self. I really discovered who I was. Um, man, I don't know if I said it yet in this episode, but if you want to learn more about how to get rid of your anxiety, if you want to be better socially, uh, if you want to transform your social skills by doing less of what you're doing now, go to the podcast description above and click a link and book 
click the link in the podcast description, not this episode description, the podcast description. Click the link and book some free time on my calendar, man. It's not a coaching sales call. It's, it's, it's not a sales call. It's a coaching call. I'm really going to help you through your issues. So if you're interested in that, just go click it, man. I really want to help you with this stuff. But um, I hit rock bottom. Um, and, you know, at rock bottom, these are documented in other episodes. I talk about this so much. So I'm not going to go over it in super much detail. Go listen to the other episodes. A lot of my trauma was purged. And, um, you know, immediately, like, um, a lot of my anxiety went away, like almost instantly when you follow the, you know, and, and risk and try over and over again and, and act despite the way you feel at the end of the rainbow, a lot of it gets deleted because this is a process of bowling out the impurities. When you pursue your passion, when you just pursue your purpose, when you try to run away from who you are, eventually you'll find yourself, but it'll be in the ugliest way. Um, but still, even after that event. There were pockets and times and, and moments in my life where anxiety would appear. And, um, you know, I think the key ultimately is, is, is in, in purging your trauma, but it's also in the chemicals. There are two sides to it. So this is what I discovered, you know, so so there were pockets of anxiety that was left. OK. Um, um, but but even still, I was able to have, you know, heroic moments, you know, um, there would be many moments in my life last year where I was, I was just like, it would be flashes of brilliance, you know, where my eye contact would not waver, where my voice would not waver, where I was just completely calm, confident, steady. And I almost had this mind control over people because of it. You know, um, there are pockets of time where, where like I, I experienced like what I feel like was social genius, you know, was persuasion genius. Um, but it wasn't consistent. And I wanted to figure out how could I really smooth this process over, process over and make it consistent. And so what that process entailed was this. At the start of this year, I picked up a practice. Um, and I started to do this practice every day uh, for just 20 minutes. And, you know, I, I didn't think much of it. It was just, you know, it was a spiritual thing for me. If I do this practice every day, then maybe I could help people better. Maybe I'd be more sharp. I didn't know what would come up with it. But 18, 19 days into the year, my anxiety is completely erased. You know, I'm all, you know, you always want to be like 007, like James Bond, like the Terminator growing up where they just have complete confidence. They just deliver the line and it's epic and you don't feel any anxiety at all. And uh, I'm really at that point where I really just don't feel anxiety. It's the craziest thing in the world. Now, obviously, I'm a human. Like sometimes maybe it'd be like a slight twinge. But that feeling when my throat gets dry, my stomach gets tight. I just don't feel it. The feeling when I want like I want to do something, but I have to back down. I just really don't feel it. And it's the crazy thing in the world. And so let me break this down to you. This is essentially what I discovered. I discovered the way the human brain works and the human brain works on two components. Um, it's like a computer. It's hardware. Then there's software. Okay. And a lot of people, they already got the software. Well, most people don't have the software. I'm going to be honest with you, but the software in the journey, I'm going to cover that in the next episode, I suppose, but it's a journey that you kind of go through when you discover, when you follow your purpose, it's the journey of, you know, purging your trauma It's the journey of the bioenergetics that you do. Um, to get in, in, in the release meditations that you do. Um, it's the journey of getting over, you know, that experience in childhood by overriding the memories like a computer. Uh, in, as a computer, I'm, I'm going to briefly go over this part, okay? As, your brain's like a computer. And, you know, what, what the computer software is, it's, it's essentially like your ego. Um, and your ego, in, as well as, you know, like, like mm, let's say your brain or your ego is like like the hard drive, I guess, like, the software component of the hard drive, what it is in, in the meta space. Um, and it's, you know, it defines itself or what it is based off the memories that it's saved, based off the data that it's saved. 
and on the software side on the psychology side you have these reference experiences these memories that that traumatize you and you you use them as a as a measuring tool as a compass to determine what's going to happen in every social situation and so one of the primary things that you have to do is systematically desensitize yourself to those memories you have to overwrite them and form new memories so that's how you fix you know which is just erasing your trauma um that's how you we talk about this in detail on the coaching call so go up in the description and go click the coaching call people have loved the coaching calls it's gotten five star. i've literally got five star reviews on every single one of them so i don't think i've ever gotten a four and a half or 4.9 nothing like that i've gotten only five stars i'm shooting 10 for 10 so with that being said go take the free coaching call um it's free you know it doesn't take much time i mean last one i did was like three hours but you know i mean well the last few i did was like a at least two hours but <laughs> sometimes you gotta like just talk and relate to the homies like i don't know what to say man i like helping people like i like i just like the feeling of 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 having meaning in this world like we we were sharing a moment where it means something but but i don't want to talk about you know the meta stuff the psychological psychological stuff because we, we talk about that on the coaching calls and you know you you can kind of get around it by just following a simple practical advice that i want to give you and so let's go on into the second part the second part is the hardware what people don't realize about their life is that not only is happiness, joy, confidence a psychological experience, but it's a physiological experience. It's a chemical experience. You can literally eat certain foods and put chemicals in your brain. There are certain foods that boost confidence. That's what one people don't know. Confidence is just a chemical like anything else. And if you have an abundance of that chemical, you have abundance of confidence um, and a lack thereof, a lack thereof of lacking confidence. You have a lack of anxiety. Um, and so essentially what I want to say to you is that you have to make sure that the ecosystem of your brain is well balanced and functioning properly. And that's what I started doing at the beginning of this year. I completely got rid of it. Um, and so you know, if you look up any any scientific paper or whatever, they, they'll list out four things or about three things on how you can be confident and how you can get rid of anxiety. And I want to focus on one of them today, but I'm going to briefly touch over the others. One of them obviously is exercise. I hate exercise. But exercise, it regulates the dopamine in your brain. And it makes sure that the environment is healthy. I exercise every day. I don't like exercising because it's boring, but I do. Um, another one is outside environments. Our environments with open space. Human beings allegedly evolved in environments of open fields like plains. And they like open fields uh, in their in their mind because... Um, you know, it, 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 you can, you have clear lines of sight to see predators, whereas places like cities, all these angles, all these buildings, you can't see what's happening around the corner. Um, it just affects the minds in a negative way. So open, fresh, fresh air spaces, they help the mind. Um, and the third and most important one, the one this episode is all hinging on, um, is meditation. You know, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. I know a lot of people are like, Ooh, uh, uh, you just said the thing I didn't want to hear it, but you've got to listen to what I'm saying because it's a physiological thing. It's not a psychological thing. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a physiological thing, and that's the difference. It's widely known, but I think very few people really understand the gift of meditation. I used to, when, I, I've, I've, I've quote unquote, like every, I say, do you meditate? It would be like, oh, I've meditated for years, but do you really meditate? Do you really? Not, okay, I sit and breathe in a crisscross. I don't crisscross when I meditate. I'm sorry, I just don't do that. My legs can't even crisscross because I'm not flexible. I don't, like, I sit and met, breathe and visualize and the, the gods and the, the, you know the atmosphere and i met it manifest like they do some crazy stuff like i don't i can't attest to that i don't know if that works or not i think about it from a biological standpoint 
you know, I, I think about it through the way, through the lens I see it and learn it through psychological, like through biological papers and science papers and things like that. I remember when I was younger, I used to like meditate like everybody else. Like, okay, I think meditation works. And I used to do it once or twice a year. And then last year I did it like probably half the year and it still really didn't work out for me that much. But I said, really, I didn't really understand how it worked. I didn't really understand the process. And so this is how I meditate now that changed everything in the viewpoint I have on meditate meditation that changed everything. I read a paper recently that was talking about meditation and the effects that it has on the brain. You know, uh, I think a lot of our fear and our anxiety is just what I believe. Um, I can't really recall it specifically from the from the paper, but this is what I think I recall hearing. And it makes logical sense when you think about it. I think anxiety, which is fear, is controlled by obviously the fear center of our brain, which is the amygdala. Okay. And what most people don't know about the amygdala is the amygdala is a reactive part of the brain that it, 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 it changes physiologic in, in its physiology based on our stress levels and based on our environments. And what most people don't understand about the amygdala is that if you live in like a place like a city, no clear lines of sight, it's loud, a lot of noise, it's a lot of violence, a lot of trauma, things like that, your amygdala actually swells. Like the, the physical part of your brain actually swells and it makes you more sensitive to the stimulus around you. Okay, so your 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 ability to be durable, your ability to, to resist stimulus and not be bothered and not be scared and not be anxious, the threshold is lowered because of the environment, because of the traumas, and because of the things that you experience, because the physiology 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 of the amygdala changes with time. And a lot of people in inner cities, you know, because of the environment, they have swollen amygdalas. And it makes them more fearful, more anxious, and more prone to rapid changes in emotion. And that's why when you go to inner cities, there's a lot of crime, a lot of violence, a lot of people looking at you crazy, looking over your shoulder, a lot of drugs, a lot of a lot of homelessness, because people's brains, the, the physiolo physiology of their brains are changed. It's hijacked and it's making their threshold become so low that everything bothers them. Everything sets them off. Everything makes them angry. They're in traffic and they're going crazy over a traffic light or a traffic cone or a plank in the middle of the road when that's not how you're supposed to be like there was a point in time where we in open plains chased down tigers running on foot for a mile two miles three miles and we weren't super stressed out about that that was just life as it was it's like the you know the attention span the attention span because the physiology of our brain is changing um is being changed by the devices in front of us same way the devices in front of us Pops of dopamine, pops of you know you're 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 attached essentially in this world to every piece of trauma that has ever happened in the last ten years because it instantly pops up on your timeline. You're traumatizing yourself over and over. The, your brain chemistry as well as the physical parts of your brain are changing to adapt to it. And why people feel like they're more desensitized, they're more prone to to being bothered by the stimulus around them, to being anxious, to being anxiety. That's why mental illness is on the rise. I believe. You know, I can speak for anxiety. I don't know about all mental illness. I'm not a doctor, guys. You know, you got to I, I recommend you visit your therapist and visit your doctor for this type of stuff um, rather than taking it from me. But this is just what I will help me. This is what changed my life. I want to erase your anxiety completely. So their brain chemistry and their physiology, of their brain is literally changed from the environment they're in. And so every like every per, per piece of stimulus that comes into your mind, you're affected that much more. You're anxious that much more. You know, it's people in the hood, like, like, like you see these rappers in interviews, like G Herbo, like something happened and they'll be looking like, like, who was that at the door? Like little baby in icebox, who was that at the door? 
they all have like PTSD and things like that. Or they're looking in the mirror, they're jump scared. They think everything. They think they think the worst of everything. You know, um, it's because their physiology and their brain is changing. And what meditation has been shown to do, proven scientifically, biologically, is reduce the swelling of the amygdala. And so it goes back to normal and default functioning. And what that essentially does is raises your threshold and makes you less susceptible to fearful to fearfulness, to anxiety, to 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 being bothered by stimulus, to being angered, to emotional swings. You literally become through the process of meditation, you know, as you should be, cool, confident, icy, unbothered. You become that guy through meditation. That's essentially what happens. Um, I hope I'm not hitting the limit on this microphone. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make like cool, clean episodes for you, longer form episodes for you because y'all listen and I appreciate that. Um, but if I'm using the mic and I'm leaning up on it because I'm passionate as hell, it's not really working out, is it? So um, that, that's, that's essentially what meditation does. And so if you begin to meditate as a device, every you know, as a routine every single day, your brain, not only your physiology, but the chemistry of your brain actually changes and you become an entirely different person. If you don't believe me, just start meditating for 40, like for 20 minutes every morning for the next 15 days. It only took me 15 days to feel noticeable change, like the real changes, not noticeable night and day changes. I want to put it like that. So if you if, if you don't believe me, I would, I would I would beg for you to try it out yourself. So and secondly, um, if you think about anything, like I remember I was a wrestler and I always used to wrestle around. Like when I first got to wrestling, I used to wonder how the guys were beating me up. Because a lot of guys in the practice, they were better than me. They had years of experience, and they would, they would beat on me. And I used to always wonder, like, how are you beating me? Like, if we have the same five lens, how are you doing these things that my body just for some reason can't do? A high crotch. That's what the move is called. A double leg. Why can't my body do it like yours? In, in short, it's just muscle memory. Everything we practice, we get better at. Everything we practice, we, we develop. Every skill we practice, we develop to a high degree. If we practice it perfectly. If we practice it well. If we practice it routinely. People don't understand how far that concept goes. And so I want you to think about meditation in practical terms, not psychological, not spiritual terms or anything like that. Think about it in practical terms. What is it the practice of? So when you meditate, I don't know how you meditate. Don't focus on like the manifestation or the, the projection of the screen recorder or like any of that crazy stuff. When you meditate, and I learned this from a spiritual book, ironically enough called called uh levels of energy i recommend you read that book 100 they tell you to just focus on a mundane object you know and and I, I believe one of the points of this is to receive uh it's the practice of receiving beauty in, in mundane things to regulate like so when you look at life um and things that are real and, and raw you can pick up the true beauty and the true details of them uh, like when you're having a conversation with a person and you're looking at them even though if they're a boring person you can receive so much light and beauty from them because you're practicing seeing it in them if i can look i look at an airpod case every day and i'm entertained by it for 20 minutes i'm regulating and producing dopamine in my brain on my own so imagine what it's like when i talk to an actual living being it's crazy right and so furthermore uh but 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 that's not the main point that i want to get to the main point is like you first focus on a mundane object. And when a thought comes into your head, you kind of just let it go. You don't sit there and get frustrated about, oh, this thought, I I'm thinking, I'm ruining my meditation. You don't try to fight against it. You just let the thought pass by. So if you're meditating, you're trying to maintain a blank mind. You're just trying to be in the moment. You're just trying to be in a state of flow. You're just trying to be in a zone and experience what's happening in front of you. 
without the words in your brain, without the opinions of the mind, without the ego, without thinking. And when you find yourself thinking, you just let it go. And so when you think of a situation where you're overwhelmed, where you're anxious, um, there's just so much happening in your mind. There's just so much information. There's so much words. There's so much worry. There's so much fright. And your brain is telling you so many different things at the same time. And if you think about it as a practical practice, it's the practice of letting all that stuff just go. Just let it go. Think about your brain as a highway with two lanes. And you're having all these thoughts when you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're breaking down, when you're overwhelmed, when you're anxious, when, you're, when, you, when you have anxiety. And so there's all these thoughts, and there's so many of them, they're jammed up on a highway. What meditation essentially does is it just allows you to let the traffic... It basically adds three more lanes so that your, your experience in letting your thoughts just flow by. Your experience in letting your worries just flow by. You get better and better every day at letting everything that's in your brain just go, just flow by. So when you're anxious, the feeling, you know, the thing, the source of it, the thought that's plaguing you, repeating in your head over and over, I'm not confident, I'm not good enough, what if I say this, da 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 da, future projection, da da da, you let it go. It's also a practice of presence. I guess we have to kind of get into like the psychology of it too because it's important. Um, essentially, what your brain is doing when you're anxious is it's using the data like it's a computer. Like I said, it's using the data like a computer that you had in your childhood, that's in your past, these traumas to project in this situation, this is going to happen. Okay. It's using, um, it's what the scientist Andrew Huberman calls duration path outcome. I believe this is called it. The brain the ego it wants because it identifies itself it wants to be something else in the future it wants to be better the better self um and so essentially at all times it's doing these calculations based on the data saved in the past this is what i have to do to become the better self if you save the bad data you know you'll associate interaction or socializing with bad interactions bad socializing in the past we have what's called a negativity bias so we prioritize bad data or anything when you talk to somebody you think oh last time i talked to somebody ah Last time I talked to my parents, ah, back when I was a child, ah, I was unworthy of love back then, so now I'm more unworthy of little what? I'm unworthy of love. It's using all this data to make future projections. When you meditate, what do you do? You focus on the present. You focus on the moment. There are no future projections in the moment. And when your mind thinks of a future projection, you let it go. And so when you're operating in the moment, suddenly the trauma underneath the surface that runs you because you're making that you factor into decisions, uh, uh, future decisions. Suddenly, that information is not being used because you're not projecting anything. You're not trying to get an outcome, so you don't need references. You don't need the data. The only data that you're using is the data that you're experiencing right here in front of you right now. So meditation, in that way, is a practical practice of staying in the moment where you're not using bad negative reference experiences or data. Um. And where you're not letting negative thoughts, which are mostly just projections of the future, in your way. You're just letting it go by. And that's the beauty of it. You meditate 20 minutes a day, you'll get rid of your anxiety. And so, how you meditate, you sit down. Anywhere, any position. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a practice of the mind. Not of the body or the spirit or whatever. You just sit down. You focus on a mundane object, a single mundane object. Lock your vision on it like a point on the wall or something like that. I don't even know if you have to breathe, but I breathe because that's the way I, taught, I was taught to do it. I don't know. And you just sit and you look at it and you receive it. You accept the beauty of it. You accept the details of it. You find love and light and I'm talking like them spiritual people. 
but you just receive it. And when a thought comes in your mind, or you find yourself thinking about something or obsessing about something, you go back to the object. You just let it go. Um, that's that's essentially all it is to practice. You that 20 minutes every morning, your anxiety will be gone. I can almost promise you. But I'm not a doctor. Check in with your therapist. Check in with your psychology, your family doctor, whatever. Those things are important too. So with that being said, I have to go twist my hair. I appreciate you so much for listening. Uh, I'm going to produce, keep producing these episodes at the quality and the rate that I'm producing them. I want to add intro music because y'all showing love and I love you too. So with that being said, uh, socialskillsfordummies.com. The website's not up right now, but maybe if you're listening in the future, it's up right now. You'll hear ads on the podcast if it's up. Go to the top of the podcast and in the description of the podcast, not the episode, book a free session with me. You're going to hear a lot of this information back back again, probably in different details or apply it to your life. Um, you'll be able to ask me questions and talk to me about it. Book a free coaching session with me. I look forward to talking to you. This is Dallas from SocialSkillsForDummies.com. Please, 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 if you do anything, don't be the guy who, you know, six months from now, you look back and you say, dang, what if I did this every single day? Who would I be? I was that person many years of my life. I was that person last year. I've meditated 19 days in a year so far when I meditate this morning and many days last year. And I'm, I'm icy because of it. And you can be icy too. I promise you. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. Peace out.